It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, June 19th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Korean Zombie versus Ige. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Just a majorly, majorly historic day uh, in North Star Sports history, in main card showdown history. I mean, just in general, it's it's a big day. It's June 19th, uh, a big day all around. Uh, it's the third anniversary of North Star Sports. Crazy to think that three years ago, I created this in uh, my old kitchen, old apartment kitchen. Um, yeah, pretty fucking cool. Pretty fucking cool. Um, not really doing a whole lot to, to to celebrate it other than doing the show. And obviously, we got the uh, the main card showdown uh, later this evening. Uh, very fortunate that it worked out that uh, the 19th was a uh, a Saturday, and that there was a, a UFC event on that day. But uh, yeah, very very uh, big day. Uh, it is the last regular season uh, card of the uh, inaugural main card showdown season. Uh, so next Saturday we will have the. Uh, um, I think we're going to go with the Bouse Cup, the, the, the playoffs, the, the, the road to the Bouse Cup, um, which is uh, an eight man tournament, um, uh, single elimination, obviously. And uh, the, the winner of that is the winner of the 2020 uh, 2021 uh, main card showdown season. Uh, so, you know, very, very big. Uh, I haven't exactly figured out seeding. I think I want to go, I think I want to go the top six point getters for the season, make the playoffs, and then two wild cards. Two wild cards that I, I just picked, that the, that the commissioner picks, because, you know, we might have some people that joined a little bit later in the year that don't have the point totals to get in, but are still good uh, competitors that I just kind of want wild cards to to bring them in. Like, you know, Storm and Gary Gooseman, obviously, you know, he's a fucking legend. He's going to get another title shot here uh, tonight. But, you know, he, he's new. He, you know, he, he's I think he's only done six main card showdowns. But he's better than, you know, he's better than Francis. He's better than Jerry. He's probably better than Drew, to be honest. Um, but, you know, he it's not his fault. He, he, he wasn't allowed... Uh, or, or didn't join uh, when we first started it, so we'll have two wild cards. Um, but yeah, should be uh, should be very fun. Uh, I don't think I have any housekeeping notes uh, besides the uh, the anniversary. Uh, we are nearing the one year anniversary of uh, the main card showdown. I guess that uh, uh, correlates with the the end of the uh, the, the season. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't really have a whole lot to discuss when it comes to that. Um, not a whole lot of changes coming to the uh, uh, the program, at least. I don't know. Hopefully, we can get Drew on a little more often. I think it's probably been uh, it, it might have been seven months since we've had uh, Drew on the program, but you know, he's Mister he's Mister Busy Train guy, so we'll, we'll we'll see what's up. But 
you know, maybe we can get them on a little more frequently than once every seven months. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, obviously we have new uh, rankings, uh, new UFC rankings, so be sure to check that out uh, at our website at northstarsports.media. But other than that, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time to, uh, to waste here, so uh, we'll get right into the preview here. Uh, 12 fight card. Obviously, as always, we'll start from the bottom and uh, and work our way up to the uh, the main card and the uh, the main event. So, uh, with that, we'll start off here with the prelim opener. It's going to be a women's flyweight fight here between Laura Procopio and Casey O'Neill. We'll take a look at the odds here, uh, and Procopio is going to be the minus one fifty five favorite. I have a feeling that I'm butchering that uh, that last name. But uh, it doesn't matter because she's not going to win. I, I like Casey O'Neill as the uh, the uh, moderate underdog uh, in this one. Obviously, neither of these fighters are ranked. They're two relative newcomers. I mean, this is the uh, I believe it's the second outing for uh, Casey O'Neill. Um, I don't you know I've I've seen uh, Procopio fight before, but I can't really commit any of her fights. Uh, to memory, but uh, you know Casey O'Neill had uh, a pretty memorable uh, UFC UFC debut. Had a, a finish of Shayna Dobson, who you know doesn't have the prettiest record uh, in the world. Obviously, is probably most known for that uh, pretty sizable upset of um, Maria Agapova, but um, you know had basically twice as many fights as her, and you know I, I think she so she showed uh, a lot of poise for uh, someone making their UFC debut. Again, I say it every time on every single card because there's always somebody making their debut, but it really can't be overstated how difficult a UFC debut is. I mean, great fighters lose their debut all the time. So to see someone who's that young, I think she's only 25, uh, if my computer would not just continually have uh, an aneurysm. Uh, But I think she's only 25, 26, something like that, pretty young. Um, pretty good reach too, 69 inches for someone who's five foot, a female who's five foot six. That's uh, yeah, that's a pretty good, um, pretty good reach. I think that's the reach of like Cody Garbrandt or something. So, you know, I, I guess he's kind of known for having a short reach. But either way, I, I like Casey O'Neill uh, to win this one. And um, you know, we'll go, we'll go by finish. We'll go by finish. I don't know if it's a submission or uh, a TKO, but you know, to finish Shane Dobson. Uh, is is mildly impressive, so I, I think she'll win by a uh, uh, finish. All right, moving on here to the lightweight division, we'll have a fight here between Joaquin Silva and Ricky Glenn, not Rick Glenn. So he kind of went backwards. Normally, you'd go Ricky to Rick as you get older, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he's now Ricky Glenn. I don't I don't like that, so I'm gonna call him Rick Glenn because that's uh, he's been in the UFC for like fucking seven years, so. I don't know. That's kind of tough. It's like, uh, I guess people forget because it was so long ago and he's done so much since then, but Mike Stanton, like Giancarlo, that was weird. I don't, I don't know why people would... Well, I guess it's technically lying about your age. Not that it's... I guess a lie... I guess a lie wouldn't imply it was you know malicious, but that's just weird. It's tough to get used to changes like that, but uh, yeah, Ricky, Ricky Glenn... Uh, taking a look at the odds here, uh, Silva is actually going to be the minus one thirty favorite. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I I really like uh, Rick Glenn. 
as a, a fighter. I think he's one of one of the the more underrated guys at 155, just because he's been around for uh, you know quite a few years, never really f- broken out. But you know, he's kind of like um, oh, I don't know, like. Um, well, I guess I admitted my my uh, man crush on Alessio's Alessio Dos Santos uh, last show, but he's kind of like the miniature version of that at lightweight. Where, I mean, he does have he does have uh, you know a, a good amount of UFC wins. It's just uh, I don't know. It's not even that he doesn't fight that frequently. He he fights relatively uh, frequently. Uh, although this is uh, his first fight since 2018, but throughout the the course of his UFC career, it's not like he's. Uh, it's not like he's that uh, Brazilian lightweight. Who the fuck is that guy? Ah, oh, the guy who was undefeated for like... It's not Leonardo Santos, was it? Might have been him, but either way, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Um, but, uh, no, I, I think he's a solid fighter. You know, he's got a win over uh, Dennis Bermudez. Uh, he, the, his last fight was against Kevin Aguilar. Lost that one. That does not look good uh, in hindsight because Aguilar... I don't know if he got cut... Probably should, uh, but he went on to lose. I think I think that was his last win. He might have lost his uh, next four fights uh, after that. But uh, Joaquim Silva, uh, 32 years old, uh, he got knocked out by Nasrat Hakparast uh, back in August of 2019. So he's on a little bit of uh, uh, delay here, a little bit of uh, uh, time taken off. And that was a pretty bad knockout too. That was. Uh, uh, pretty bad but it's crazy when you look at MMA math and um, you know see uh, you know what happened to Hack Perast after that fight uh, losing to uh, Drew Dober but uh, I don't know so maybe it's it's uh, it, it's kind of weird because a lot of times you can't look at um, you know either either fighter and and go who's who's the better fighter uh, you know a lot of times it comes down to timing and things like that so it's it's a little interesting with uh, both of these guys not having the greatest last performance and a little bit of time off pretty much a coin flip here i want to go with rick glenn but we'll go with uh joaquin silva even though the uh significant significant strike stats for uh, silva are not uh not very good all right moving on here uh still on the uh, prelims uh we'll have a heavyweight fight here between josh parisian and rock martinez or Roque Martinez, uh, Parisian is 13 and four. Martinez 15, seven and two. We'll take a look at the odds here, and uh, Parisian is going to be the minus 140 uh, favorite. Uh, not remotely interested in uh, unranked heavyweight fights. Just could not be more disinterested. You know, you guys know my opinions on uh, heavyweights. I think they're by far the worst fighters in the UFC. It's sloppy. You know they don't uh, don't care about their bodies. Uh, speaking generally, obviously, um, and uh, yeah, Roque Martinez. I think he was a super heavyweight. Where did he, he fought somewhere over in uh, Asia? I want to say it was Road FC. Oh no, Ryzen. That's what it was. I think he was an open weight or something, or, or super heavyweight or something. Uh, he's five foot ten. They have him listed at two fifty. Uh, I'm not too sure about that. Parisian comes in at the limit. I don't like any fighter that comes in at the limit. I just think that's a terrible strategy. But Parisian is 6'4", so uh, he's going to have a major reach advantage. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Parisian's going to win this one. I think it'll be very sloppy. Uh, I don't like watching heavyweight fights. And uh, Martinez is uh, 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, so 
Yeah, his record's uh, not very pretty. He did get knocked out by Miracle Krokop back in 2018, so that's a little interesting uh, tidbit for uh, Martinez. Uh, Parisian, uh, I know for sure he fought on the Contender Series. I don't know if he also fought on the Ultimate Fighter. That name sounds really familiar uh, if, he, if he fought on um, uh, that, that, that last heavyweight season. But uh, he lost to Parker Porter. That's not a good loss. That's not a good loss. Uh, and his only other win uh, on the Contender Series... Okay, so he did fight on the Ultimate Fighter. I am remembering correctly. Uh, his only other win was on the Contender Series, and that was against Chad Johnson, not the wide receiver, who's a, a boxer now, but uh, Chad Johnson, who I think came in at 215. So he was giving up 50 pounds to him, or... Uh, uh, like Johnson was giving up 15, 50 pounds to Parisian. So he basically beat a light heavyweight, basically a middleweight. Honestly, I, I'm sure there are some middleweights who cut from fucking 215. I mean, psycho ones, but uh, so I don't really know where either of these fighters are. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll go Parisian. All right, moving on here to the welterweight division. We'll have a fight here between Matt Semmelsberger and Chaos Williams. Semmelsberger 8-2, Williams 11-2. Uh, the odds are going to have Williams as the minus 155 favorite. Uh, this might be my lock of the prelims. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd go as far to say this is my lock of the week, but well, you know, fuck it. It's, it's my lock of the week. It's the lock of the prelims. It's the lock of the week. Chaos Williams. I, I think Chaos Williams is gonna is, is gonna win this one. Uh, kind of had a, a disappointing last performance. Uh, against Michelle Pajeda, who I think is, you know, people always think of Pajeda as a clown and, you know, doing goofy shit. And yeah, the loss to Tristan Connolly is uh, indefensible. Uh, but I, I really think that uh, Pajeda, especially in his last fight, he can still goof around, but as long as he doesn't gas himself out, I, th- I think he's actually one of the most talented fighters on the roster. Like, I think he is, uh, he clearly has, you know, one strike KO power. He's very creative, and I think as long as he's not a, a, a big of a as big of a jackass to just derail the entire fight, like I'm cool with that. I'm fine with it. So you know, I, I don't really hold that against Chaos Williams. I think Pajeda, you know, as he gets more consistent throughout his UFC tenure, hopefully, uh, you know, I really think that's actually somebody to watch out for and not just some clown. Um, but you know, he had two. Uh, sub 30 second knockouts to begin his career over Morono and uh, Al Hassan and uh, you know Al, Has- Al Hassan's known for putting people to sleep and then Morono was it he, had, he just had a win over Cowboy Cerrone so uh, a finish of Cowboy Cerrone so uh, you know I, I really like Chaos Williams it wouldn't shock me if he you know went back to uh, knocking people out in under a minute uh, Semmelsberger uh pretty much in the same boat as Chaos Williams. You know, they don't have uh, uh, a shit ton of fights in the UFC. Williams has three. Semmelsberger has two. Uh, he does have two wins. Uh, his, win, his win over Carlton Minus uh, was pretty fucking boring in my mind. Uh, he definitely won that fight, but it was kind of boring. The 16-second knockout over Jason Witt is pretty fucking interesting. You know, it's taken a, a page out of the Chaos Williams book, but uh, I, I still think Chaos Williams... Uh, gets the job done here in the uh, in the first round. 
Alright, moving on here to the strawweight division. We'll have a fight here between Virna Jandiroba and Kanako Murata. Jandiroba is 16 and 2. Murata is 12 and 1. Uh, we'll take a look at the odds here. And Jandiroba is going to be the minus 140 favorite. Uh, we'll take a look here at the uh, uh, North Star Sports UFC rankings. I want to double check to see if either of these fighters are ranked. Uh, I know we had Murata ranked at one point. She is no longer no longer ranked. Uh, Jandaroba is the number 15 strawweight. Uh, two very gaudy records for uh, strawweights. You don't really see, you know, you see a lot of strawweights who are like seven and five or something. But you know, to be 16 and two and 12 and one, and obviously, I'm, I would guarantee a lot of that boils down to where they fought in the competition they fought before they got to the UFC. But uh, either way, those are. Um, Two very pretty, very pretty records. Two of the shorter fighters uh, under contract in the UFC. Jandaroba, five foot three, which is pretty short, but uh, not the shortest. Uh, Murata is five foot one. So I think I don't think Danielle Taylor is still under contract. I know she was four foot eleven. Uh, Tisha Torres is five one, but yeah, five one's pretty fucking short. That's that's uh. That's pretty short, but again, going up against Jandaroba, that, that doesn't really uh, factor in uh, that much. Um, I, I, I do like Jandaroba. I like the effort that she puts forward. Uh, she's coming off of a loss to Mackenzie Dern. She did get beat pretty bad in that one, but before that had two finishes, uh, and then a loss to Carla Esparza. So, you know, maybe has some trouble, you know, if she's going to get into the top 10, but you know, outside of the top 10, seems to seems to do pretty well and seems to, to finish fights. Uh, Murata is riding a, good God, eight-fight eight fight winning streak and uh, made her debut back in November of, uh, of last year, had a unanimous decision victory over Random Marcos, um, which is a, a pretty solid debut. Again, you know, you look at Marcos' record, not very pretty, but I think that's a very good litmus test, and I think a lot of female strawweights, when they make their UFC de- debut, do not have wins over an opponent like a, a random Marcos. You know, it's over somebody who gets cut the next fight. You know, so to to have a win over someone who was ranked, a very active fighter who was ranked uh, for, for quite some time, not very highly, um, but, you know, wh- who was ranked, uh, I think that that is pretty uh, impressive. That being said, uh, I am going to go with uh, Jandaroba. Wins 81% of her fights by submission, so uh, definitely a finisher, which is not exactly something you see uh, on the female side of uh, MMA, or really just on on the lighter side of MMA. To you know, to be honest, to be you know, completely fair. But uh, yeah, you know. I don't dislike Murata, but I think Jandaroba uh, gets it done probably by, I guess we'll go by submission. I mean, to stop an eight-fight winning streak is pretty impressive. You'd probably just be happy with a, a decision, but uh, I think she'll she'll get a finish here. All right, moving on here uh, to the prelim headliner. It's going to be in the 205-pound division between Nick Neger... Oh, man, Negerimrianu... Negumirianu. We're gonna go Nick. We're gonna call him Nick because I, 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 I really don't want to butcher that that last name. Uh, the the Moldovan fighter because I think I think he's from Moldova, just like uh, the doorknob licker Iwan Kutalaba. 
Uh, he'll take on uh, Alexa Kamer. Nick is uh, nine and one. Kamer is uh, six and one. Uh, we'll take a look here at the odds. Kamer is actually going to be a, a pretty moderate favorite here, bordering on heavy favorite at the, the minus two forty favorite, uh, which I, I think is fair. I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, he's the guy who trains with uh, Stipe Miocic uh, over in uh, uh, Ohio. Uh, 25 years old, uh, and and uh, you know definitely got fast tracked to the UFC, which I'm not a big fan of. Uh, obviously, he lost his uh, uh, debut, or excuse me, he won his debut against uh, Justin Ledet, but he lost uh, the next fight to William Knight. I absolutely fucking despise when when four and zero fighters are signed to the UFC. I think that's such a fucking disservice to their career, you know. And you you can't blame people for for you know getting signed to the UFC. You can't blame people for oh the, the UFC offered me a contract. Well, of course I'm gonna take it. You can't blame that. But it's there's so much maturity in being an Israel Adesanya or a Jimmy Manoa or you know guys like that who turn down UFC contracts until they're ready because because man and I, I like Kamer but you know what what happens what happens if he loses his next two fights and gets cut because he's not ready he might he might be a fucking top five fighter in 2025 if he was on the fucking correct trajectory but it's just it's such a disservice to put people into the deep end right away and just say sink or swim when it's like well that's it's not really it's it's not binary those aren't the those aren't the only two options i mean we could just let this guy kind of develop and you know when he comes to the ufc he's ready to become champion i don't think kamer is ready to become champion he is so far away from being a champion with all due respect and i think he's a very bright prospect and if he has a great performance then good for him but you know obviously being six and one with a loss in your last fight and you're you know a thousand miles outside of the rankings you know it's there's a lot of work that has to be done so it's just i hate i hate seeing that uh that being said i I do think he'll um win this fight he is a finisher we haven't seen a finish uh in his last three fights though Uh, so that's um i think that speaks to the level of competition that he's facing uh meanwhile for nick uh, he lost uh, against uh, Saperbeg Safarov in his debut, so you know he has a lot of finishes on the. Uh, I'm gonna assume that's the Moldovan regional MMA circuit. Um, I can't remember if he got hit with a million nut shots. I know Safarov is a fairly cheap fighter when it comes to you know the quantity of cheap shots that occur in in his fights. I, I don't know if I'm misremembering another. St- Safarov fight, or if it's just every fight with him, um, but either way, yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go Kamer on this one. He's he, supposedly he's a good wrestler. He definitely has power because you know he finishes uh, a lot of fights, and uh, I don't uh, I don't think a whole lot about uh, Nick from uh, oh Romania, excuse me, not Moldova. My apologies to all of our uh, uh, Romanian and uh, Moldovan listeners. I, I would hate to think that this would turn people off to people from uh you know that region in in eastern europe that's a, a real big market for us so uh, my sincerest apologies all right moving on we're now on the uh, the main card here the main card opener and it's going to be a pretty uh intriguing fight here in the welterweight division uh between diego lima and matt brown uh lima is 15 and 8 brown is 22 and 18 uh we will have uh lima 
as the minus 175 favorite. Uh, two just awful records, just two of the worst records in the in the welterweight division. I mean, that is a uh, a lot of losses, 26 losses between these two fighters, 18 of them from Matt Brown. Evidently, he's not very immortal. I, I think that's hilarious. I'm not a big fan of Matt Brown, uh, by the way, but uh, yeah, that's that's quite the impressive record there, a 500 record overall. So that's, uh, you know, that's, that's very, very impressive. Uh, he, he's quite the immortal. He's quite the immortal. Uh, a lot of his uh, getting finished records will never be broken in the UFC. I would have to imagine he has the most losses via finish in UFC history. If not, maybe Jeremy Stevens, but Jeremy Stevens has a good chin. I know he's been finished a little bit, and he, he definitely has the record for the most losses in UFC history, but he's got a good chin. Matt Brown does not have a good chin. Uh, he is good. God, he's got three wins in his last uh, 10 fights. So, you know, he's, he's trending. He's trending straight down. Straight down. The arrow would be pointing straight down. Um, yeah, I don't think very high. I don't know if I'm getting my point across that I don't think very highly of Matt Brown. He will get finished in this fight. He will not win this fight. Uh, Lima will win this fight. Uh, you know, had the, had, had a setback against Bilal Muhammad, but he was on a three-fight winning streak before that, albeit not the greatest competition. Uh, two split decision wins, but, uh, you know, he's, he's by far the, uh, the younger fighter uh, at 31. Uh, so he's he's taller. Uh, the reach is is going to be the same, but I, I just think Matt Brown is washed. I, I really think he's washed, and he's not really going up against the most dangerous fighter in the world in Diego Lima when you look at, you know, he's got 50% finishes, 50% uh, decisions uh, in, in his career. But, you know, average fight time is six minutes. So, you know, he, he's, he, you don't get paid by the minute in uh, the octagon or in cage fighting, so... Uh, he's got a higher knockdown uh, average than Matt Brown, and you know I, I just think he's I just think he's washed. I, I I really don't think he has a whole lot left. Probably gets cut after this fight, um, but I don't know. I mean UFC fans are weird. Like they they'll s- abandon people right away, but they'll also uh, stick with people forever. Like there's I'm sure there are diehard Matt Brown fans out there, and my first question question would be why, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever, man. I guess, you know, I guess I've done the same thing with Woodley. You know, hopefully he doesn't get knocked out by a fucking child actor. But, you know, I've done the same with Woodley. But it's, I don't know. I find Matt Brown a little uh, insufferable. So he's definitely going to lose this one, though. That would be my second lock of the week, just because I don't like Matt Brown. All right, moving on here to the middleweight division. We'll have a fight between Wellington Terman and Bruno Silva. Uh, Terman is 16 and four. Silva is 19 and six. Uh, we will have Silva as the minus 130 favorite. I think there's another Bruno. Is there not another Bruno Silva in the UFC? Is that not the featherweight who has two finishes in his last two fights? So I, I was a little confused. I thought this was the uh, the, the flyweight when I first uh, saw the name. Obviously, it's uh, the middleweight, but. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting fight. That's a first-team all-name uh, Wellington Terman. That's uh, it's quite the interesting, uh, quite the interesting name. Um, I really have no takes on this fight. I honestly, I don't even know Bruno Silva was a, a, a fighter, and uh, I know Wellington Terman because of his name, but uh, I've never really been uh, overly impressed with any of his uh, 
fights. Uh, Silva is making his uh, debut. He's got uh, four consecutive first-round knockout finishes, Uh, whereas uh, Wellington Terman uh, got knocked out in the first round by uh, Andrew Sanchez about a year ago. Uh, Does have a win over Marcus Perez, uh, a loss to Carl Roberson, so really really struggling to... um, you know, get footing uh, in the UFC. I'm going to go with the unknown. I'm going to go with Silva. I like the fact he's finishing a lot of fights. Uh, that's a very surface level uh, analysis by me because I don't watch the uh, regional Brazilian MMA, but uh, I, I know what I got. It's it's the question of the unknown in Silva versus I know what I got with Terman. I got a one and two fighter with Terman. I got some guy who's knocking out people in Silva. So you know, I'll, I'll side with the upside here and go with uh, Silva. And we'll go we'll go first round finish just because you know he seems to enjoy uh, you know finishing the fight early. So we'll go with uh, Silva on this one. And you know the UFC must think highly of him. I mean this this is not a very good card in all honesty, but you know you're making your debut on a main card of uh, a UFC event. So uh, maybe, maybe maybe they think pretty highly of uh, old Bruno Silva. All right, moving on here. We have a fight in the featherweight division between Julian Erosa and Sung Woo Choi. Choi is nine and three. Erosa is twenty-five and eight. Uh, Choi is going to be the minus one fifty favorite. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna be a hard one to pick. Uh, I really struggle to pick Julian Erosa fights because I don't know what version I'm gonna get. I don't. I don't fucking... Th- this guy, for being a guy who's never been ranked and never really done anything of significance, like, people know, at least I, I feel like people know a disproportionate amount about Julian Arosa. So, I don't know what the fuck he did before he was on The Ultimate Fighter, uh, you know, USA versus Europe, the, the season that Conor McGregor and, and Faber uh, were coaches on. But obviously a pretty memorable character from... Uh, that season of the Ultimate Fighter, okay, doesn't doesn't win the Ultimate Fighter, uh, but get gets signed. Uh, actually, doesn't get signed. So it just goes back to the regionals. So he gets like knocked out by Artem Lobov and and whatnot. Uh, has a fight in the UFC. Gets knocked out by Teruto Ishihara. Goes back to the regionals. Does whatever the fuck he does there. Wins some, loses some, and then comes back to the UFC and uh, knocks out Jamal Emers who is a mildly hot prospect off of the Contender Series. Then he gets knocked out in 48 seconds by Devonta Smith, loses his next two fights, gets cut, and then gets brought back in 2020, beats Sean Woodson, who was undefeated, and then knocks out Nate Landwehr, who is a very exciting uh, prospect who I think was off of a a pretty big win uh, before that one because he lost to Burns, had a nice win, and then lost to Erosa, who was also a champ over in... uh, whatever the fuck they call it, ACA or, or ACB or M1, or he was a champ in some Russian promotion. So I don't know which fucking Julian Arosa I'm going to get. Am I, am I going to get the one that knocks people out in fucking 45 seconds, or am I going to get the one that, you know, was on a four-fight losing streak and got cut by the UFC? I Like, I, I don't know. This guy's very, very interesting. Uh, these are two pretty tall fighters. Arosa's 6'1", and uh, Choi is uh, uh, six foot even. So, uh, you know, very, very similar uh, stature-wise. Uh, Erosa does have the threat of the uh, submission. Choi has never won by submission and is making his uh, UFC debut. So I, I can't say I know uh, a whole ton about him. 
Uh, I will say the, the the one thing. Oh no, excuse me. Okay, so the UFC just doesn't update their fucking stats ever. So Choi's actually been in the UFC for fucking four fights, and they don't even update their uh, profiles. So he lost his first two fights against uh, Evloev, who we just saw have a dominant performance over um, uh, Hakeem Dawadu last week, and then a win over Gavin Tucker, or a loss to Gavin Tucker, a win over some guy I've never heard of, and a win over Yusuf Zalal. The, the, the one concerning thing for me with Arosa is he gets hit with 5.5 significant strikes per minute. That's really fucking high. Honestly, for someone who has as many fights in the UFC as Arosa, um... I, I, I can't really remember anyone I've ever seen. I'm sure there I'm sure there is someone who has more, but I can't think of anybody who has a higher significant strikes absorbed per minute. That is just grotesquely high. So that's a little bit concerning for me. Um, but he does have a 75% takedown accuracy. So I don't know. I'm gonna go with Arosa. I'm rolling the dice on 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 him. You know, the, both of these fighters are kind of slowly but surely after some rocky uh, portions to start their careers. You know, they're on the up and up a little bit, but I'm going to go with Arosa. Maybe he's figured something out that uh, nobody else has uh, realized. So, And, you know, it's fun not to just go with the favorite. You know, Choi, minus 150 favorite. Yeah, let's make some money. Let's make some money. Let's 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 put, uh, you know, put some, some Skrilla on uh, Julian Arosa. All right, moving on here to the featured bout on the main card. It is going to be in the fucking stacked bantamweight division between Marlon Chito Vera and Davey Grant. Vera is 18-7-1. Grant is 11-4. and four. We'll take a look at the odds here. Uh, Marlon Vera will be the minus 210 favorite. Uh, this might be my favorite fight outside of the, the main event, which is... But we'll get to in, you know, we'll get to in like 10 minutes. Uh... This might be my favorite fight on the on the card. I fucking love this fight. Uh, so the UFC is going to have Vera at number 15 in the bantamweight division. Uh, I don't believe we have him ranked. We do not. He would be number 16, though. I remember when we updated the rankings, he was 15, and then he fell out. So he's number 16 for all intents and purposes. Uh, but I love this. I mean, this division is so stacked. I, I say it every show, but dude, just young, hungry contenders, young killers, and then legends like fucking uh, Dominic Cruz and Frankie Edgar and, and Jose Aldo. And, you know, it's the most exciting. It is the deepest and most exciting and most top heavy all at the same time. It's the it's the best overall division in, in the UFC. I don't think I'll, I, I can't see how anybody could make the, the case otherwise. And I really think you have two fighters who, uh, you know, at any at any other point in any other division, I feel would be ranked uh, in Vera and uh, Davy Grant. Now, Marlon Vera is coming off of a loss back in December to uh, Jose Aldo. Uh, he has lost two of his last three, although it's a very controversial loss to uh, Song Yudong. Uh, if he hadn't had that loss to uh, Song Yudong, he would be... Um, Oh, let's see here. He'd be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and one in his last eight. So you know, and and this is all in in the UFC. So you know, and and a lot of those are finishes too. So you know, I can't speak highly enough of of Marlon Vera. I don't think he's at that point yet. 
which is obviously why he got you know thwarted by Jose Aldo. Um, but you know, very, very high level fighter. Might be, honestly might be the best fighter who's not ranked in the UFC. Um, maybe there's some like weird example that I'm you know misremembering. And then Davy Grant. So this is a guy who's won 62% of his fights. Uh, via submission. He's 35 years old. I don't think anybody's ever thought anything of Davy Grant. Nobody... He, he had a nice knockout uh, back on Fight Island, but uh, he, he uh, came back in March, knocked out Jonathan Martinez. Just brutal. A brutal overhand left. So this is a guy on a three-fight winning streak, okay? Uh, a two-fight finish streak, and, uh, you know, I, I just love the matchmaking here. I, I really love it. I mean, Marlon Vera is a little bit of a cult, has a, has a little bit of a cult status, you know, uh, among fans. So I think this is um, very favorable matchmaking for Davy Grant, not because it's easy. In fact, I guess in that sense, it's a very, you know, unfavorable matchmaking. But, you know, in terms of where this could put him, I think it puts him right on the doorstep of the top 15. If he beats Marlon Vera, he will be ranked in the top 15 uh, on the UFC website, which is not something we respect. But, um, you know, he, he, he would be ranked at that point, And then, you know, he's kind of beaten a, a named guy uh, in, in Marlon Vera. But, you know, obviously a very, very well-rounded guy who just somehow, you know, discovered knockout power. And, you know, he hasn't lost since uh, 2018. And that was to Manny Bermudez, who I think he went up to featherweight and even missed weight at featherweight or something. So Manny Bermudez is a featherweight. Damian Stashik, okay, that's a fair loss. And then he uh, lost to the Ultimate Fighter winner, uh, Chris Holdsworth, in the finale. Uh, who who knows what that guy would have done if, you know, he hadn't had a career-ending injury. So... You know, it, it is a guy who doesn't have the prettiest record in the world, has been around for some time, is, you know, a little old for, for bantamweight. You know, that is a little concerning, but it's kind of fun because he, he's staying pretty active. So it's kind of fun to see, you know, someone whose back is against the wall, who's running out of time in his career, who's looking very promising. What can he accomplish in a short amount of time? So I think Davy Grant is definitely somebody to watch out for. Uh, you know, especially, you know, in, in the short term. And certainly if he beats Marlon Vera, the problem is I'm going to go with Marlon Vera. I think Marlon Vera is just overall a better fighter. Uh, I think he's going to have to pay Davy Grant a good amount of respect because he is a, I mean, he lives up to his nickname. He is, you know, he is dangerous. Stats-wise, stats Davy Grant uh, lands 3.9 significant strikes per minute, only takes in 2.47. So that's a tremendous, that's a very good ratio. Whereas Marlon Vera... Uh, lands 3.7, absorbs 4.1. So it, it's almost the opposite. So that that is a little bit concerning. His defense is 63%. That's pretty good. Um, I just, I like the dog in Marlon Vera. Uh, and that's not to say that it's not there for Davy Grant. The, the numbers would actually support Davy Grant on this one, but I just like the dog uh, in, in Marlon Vera. Um, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go with the numbers on this one, actually. I, I am going to go with Davy Grant. I, I think numbers numbers don't lie. You know, I used to say numbers are for people like Jim Sturm. I don't know. Maybe Jim Sturm's right. You know, I don't know. So, you know what? Fuck it. I am going to go with Davy Grant. I, I think either way, this one's going to be a banger. I don't know if there's a finish. I, I just have a feeling this one goes to a decision. These are two tough fighters. We know Vera's a dog. I have a feeling Davy Grant's a dog. Uh, they, they both are dangerous, but I think that there will probably be a, a certain amount of respect uh, in, in this fight. 
you know, and if the fight goes to the ground, I mean, what are the chances a fight finishes on the ground compares to on on the feet? I, I would have to imagine the on the feet percentage is a little, um, you know, a little little higher. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go Davy Grant by decision. I, I really think it's uh, his time to shine. All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's going to be in the heavyweight division between Alexei Olenek and Sergei Spivak. Olenek is 59-15-1. and one. Spivak is going to be 12-2. and two. Uh, We'll take a look at the odds here. Spivak will be the minus 230 favorite. <coughs> Excuse me. And we will have Olenek at number 10. Spivak is uh, unranked. Um, kind, yeah, kind of a weird, kind of a weird co-main event. Um, I, 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 this is probably the toughest fight for me to pick because Alexei Olenek is a, is a very good fighter, obviously an, an incredibly elite ground fighter. But I just hate picking Alexei Olenek fights because it's like he he either chokes somebody out in two rounds or he gets knocked out in the first 60 seconds. Like, it's so frustrating to pick Alexei Olenek because it's like, okay, he's, like, he's going to get knocked out. Like, he got knocked out by Chris Dawkins in, in a round, uh, you know. Oh, uh, Walt Harris is really bad on the ground. If Olenek can just take him down, he probably wins the fight. And then he gets knocked out in fucking 12 seconds. You know, he just gets... He, I don't want to be disrespectful because this is a guy who's had many fights uh, and a, a, obviously a very tough guy, but it, it, there's just times in fights where it, it it looks like he gives up in fights. Like, uh, the Overeem one comes to mind. Um, the Dawkins fight comes to mind where it's just, like, he'll get hit with a couple of punches he doesn't like, and then if he goes to the ground, he'll just cover up, and then, it, you know, seven punches later, the fight's over. So it's very hard for me to pick Alexei Olenek. Uh, I am going to go with uh, Sergei Spivak. But again, fucking, it's the curse of Alexei Olenek, because if I pick Spivak, Olenek's going to fucking choke this guy out in two rounds. So, I don't know. I just... I don't like I don't like picking I don't like picking these fights. I will go with Spivak. I do like uh, Sergey Spivak. Um, kind of had a rocky uh, start to his career. Uh, lost to uh, Harris and uh, Tibura. Had an upset win over uh, Tuivasa, but now he's on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, finished his last fight uh, in February over uh, Jared Vandera. Uh, only only 26 years old, so. Pretty pretty young for a heavyweight to be in the UFC, so there's always something intriguing about you know a heavyweight who's under 30, you know because the heavyweight uh, career, you know you can fight when you're. I mean look at Alexei Olenek, you can fight when you're 44 years old. So if you're 26, you know you got you know quite the career uh, ahead of you. But uh, yeah, I think this will be a big win for Spivak. It's going to put him right on the doorstep of the top 10. Uh, you know, another person using uh, Olenek as, uh, you know, a springboard, uh, a major springboard, because he's going to jump over, you know, fucking Tom Aspinall and, you know, some of these guys who are sitting below Olenek, but, you know, already in the uh, in the top 15. So I think he knocks him out. I, I don't really think of Sergei Spivak as a, a striker. He, he is a pretty good ground fighter. I don't think that's where you want to go against Olenek and Olenek... Um, his uh, striking defense is pretty bad, so I think Spivak just uh, goes for the knockout, and uh, you know the polar bear wins th- this one uh, on the uh, the co-main event. 
All right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's going to be in the featherweight division between the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung and Dan 50K Ige. Jung is 16 and 6. Ige is going to be 15 and 3. Dan Ige is actually going to be the minus 125 favorite. Um, very good fight. Stylistically, I could see why they put this together. Uh, this this will be a banger as I uh, crack open a Gatorade here. Gotta stay hydrated. Um, especially for the hot sports takes that I'm about to sling here in a second. But uh, stylistically, I love this. Uh, I love that uh, the Korean Zombie staying active again. The, the, you know, I always say the featherweight top 10 is so inactive. It's in quicksand. And there's so many hot young prospects 10 through 15 and even outside of the top 10 or top 15 in that division so it's nice to see you know the wheels starting to get in motion in the uh, in the featherweight division um i think this will be a very high level striking affair i would be a little surprised if the fight goes to the ground and uh It'll be interesting to me who leads the dance. These are typically two pretty aggressive fighters. They both, uh, I mean, I guess that's why he gets the nickname the Korean Zombie. You know, it takes damage and, and, and keeps moving forward. Dan Ige only moves forward. You know, even against Calvin Cater, you know, he was moving forward. And, you know, he dishes out a lot of fucking damage. And obviously, he's coming off of the, uh, I think, 16-second, 22-second um knockout of Gavin Tucker. So that's an interesting wrinkle, an interesting dynamic to this fight. Okay, Dan Ige now has one-punch KO power. And, of course, that's a little crazy, a little ridiculous to say. Of course, everybody has one-punch power. You know, it's it's more about placement than, you know, the fucking horsepower behind your fists. But, uh, no, this will be very interesting. I, I, I want to see who moves forward in this fight, because they both can't move forward, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... You know, who who leads the dance and who's the counter-striker? I think that's going to be uh, interesting. And honestly, I, I don't know. My I have a hunch that Dan Ige is going to be the one moving forward just because I really have not seen a lot of him moving backwards. So I have a feeling that uh, the Korean zombie is going to be the counter-puncher in this one. Um, but yeah, they're they're identical. They're both 5'7". Uh, very, very slight reach advantage to the Korean zombie of one inch. But, you know... I would be fairly surprised if this fight went the distance. I, I do envision a finish in this one. I think there's going to be a very high output. I think both of these fighters have pretty good cardio. I don't necessarily... When I think of cardio, I don't necessarily think of the Korean Zombie and Dan Ige, but, you know, it's not it's not an antonym to, to cardio. You know, I think, uh, I, I think we still could see, you know, a pretty frantic striking pace, you know, even in the third round if there hasn't been a finish by then. You know, fourth round... Uh, which is really where I see this fight going. I, you know, they they both can give out a lot of uh, damage, but they're they're both tough guys too. So I, I don't see a finish in like round one or round two. I think I think round three is where you probably will start to see the winners separate uh, in the fight, and then I think round four, round five, probably round four, we'll get a finish. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with Dan Ige. I'm gonna go with Dan Ige, and you know. This is a big fight for him because not only is it a move up into the top five, it's also a win over a beloved figure uh, in MMA history. I mean, the most popular fighter in South Korean history. Uh, you know, just 
anytime somebody doesn't speak English and they're a fucking major star in in America, uh, you know, in English speaking MMA, I mean, that really says a lot. Like this is a guy who gets fans behind him behind him without even speaking. You know, it's that's how you know it's purely just his fighting style. But you know, I I think it's Ige's uh, time. You know, he, he had the loss to Calvin Cater. I thought that fight was a lot closer than people thought, although you would have to give it to uh, Calvin Cater. But, you know, Dan Ige has just a way of making fights really gritty, really dirty. You know, he doesn't, uh, outside of you know the Gavin Tucker win, which, you know, goes without saying, he doesn't, like, win impressively. He just wins through sheer determination and just making shit dirty. And I, I think he's a... Not only is he a black belt in black belt in uh, BJJ, I think he's also a black belt in judo too. And I'm sure the Korean Zombie has a black belt in something. Um, but you know, Dan Ige, if it goes to the ground, I'm not sure that he wouldn't welcome that. I'm sure he, I'm sure both of these fighters want to stay on the feet because uh, you know they believe in their hands. But you know, if it went to the ground. I don't, I don't know. But then again, you know, the Korean zombie, I mean, he has a fucking twister on his record. So that's, that's also pretty, pretty impressive as well. So I just think, I just think this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a very, very good fight. I'm, I'm glad it is a, um, a fight night main event and not just kind of stashed on a, on a pay-per-view. And, you know, I think it's the breakout fight for, for Dan Ige and, you know, for the Korean zombie, you know, you, you probably drop out of the top five, you know, he is, he is 34, but, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I really, I really didn't like what I saw in, in the, uh, Brian Ortega fight. You know, Ortega is not, he's not really known as a striker. Like he's known for getting embarrassed on his feet by Max Holloway, which is obviously a high level striker, but you know, so is Korean zombie. You know, there's, there's levels to this, but man, it was just a, it was just a bad loss, man. There really, there really wasn't a, you know, a saving grace. There really wasn't a silver lining in that fight. So, you know, I hate to be so overreactive, you know, just on one, uh, uh, one fight. But I, I really, I really did not like what I, what I saw there. And it's not going to be an easy night at the office, even if he beats Dan Ige. So, you know, I think, I think Ige wins it, and you know, it'll be, it'll be fun talking about what's next for, for that guy. You know, maybe, maybe you run it back with Calvin Cater. I mean, I know that that's. Not a whole lot of time in between that fight, but you know, Cater, Cater isn't going anywhere. You know, he kind of got put in, in place by uh, Max Holloway. Uh, does he? It, you know, if if Ige beats the Korean Zombie, does he fight Max Holloway? You know, that fight fell through. Maybe Ige wants a quick turnaround if you know he's not uh, severely injured or you know something bad happens. So you know, there's a lot of interesting talking points that uh, can come out of this this fight night. So with that, we'll wrap it up here. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. And be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.